0: phone check one two what is this It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business and we're back with another episode of QLC TV my name is Rohan and I'm the host of this lovely show where I aim to give you authentic insight into the world of music which will be a primary focus as it's my absolute utmost passion in the world I just love music I'll also be talking about politics as the other key focus as well as some culture sports sprinkled in as well as topics about growing into adulthood and personal development as all of this is delivered from the perspective of a 25 year old Indian man living in Canada trying to make sense of not only myself but of the world so all in all I thank you so much for listening and taking part in this creative journey that I'm embarking on with QLC TV and I just hope that this platform will not only give myself but give those listening something nice to look forward to when they wake up in the morning. Because if I achieved that, then I've succeeded. Hey everybody, it is October 31st, otherwise known as Halloween, spooky season, and I'm back with another episode of QLC TV. This is episode 19, and I have another all music episode for you guys today, where I'll be talking about the new Homeboy Sandman album, I'll be talking about the new Open Mic Eagle, project as well as the new black thought project you know there's been a ton of music coming out over the past month and it's it's not seeming to uh, slow down at all so I'm gonna be trying to cover all of the main projects or at least the most interesting and uh, thought-provoking projects that come out but I'll also try to, to, to make some time to cover some political developments that have recently taken place. But again, for now, it's all music. And I will start with this new Homeboy Sandman album, which is fully produced by Quelle Chris called Don't Feed the Monster. So Homeboy Sandman is a Queens, New York rapper who has a very unique voice and a pretty unique way of rapping that As soon as you put him on, I don't think you'll really have heard someone like him before. He has a... I can't even really put it into words. There's something with the way he flows. There's something with his voice that is incredibly unique and strange. And it's almost off-putting at first. Like when I first heard a Homeboy Sandman verse, I remember being like, Is he really for real rapping like this or is this a joke? Like it just sounded borderline corny if I'm being honest. But... Very quickly, I adjusted to his style, and you really uncover that he is an exceptional, exceptional lyricist. This project, Don't Feed the Monster, is not his first project by any means. He's 40 years old, so he's not a young guy. And this Don't Feed the Monster project here is his 10th studio album. And out of these albums, I've heard the majority of them and especially I've heard all of his recent work ever since uh, the year 2010 and I've I've grown to like most of them but I just have always found that there's been something missing with the way this guy makes an album whether it be kind of boring production or the lack in songwriting quality that failed to sometimes make these songs really connect with me, stick with me, make me want to come back to them. But I was really excited for this project because it's a collaboration with all of the beats being produced by Quelle Chris. Quelle Chris is a Detroit rapper producer who I've been really in love with for the better part of the last decade. He has a really unique oddball style to both his rhymes, but as... He's only handling the production here. I'll stick to the production. Where his production is is so unique. It's it's a mix of some boom bap elements. Dusty. Jazz. But then a lot of like really odd kind of sound effects. uh, Skits. Weird vocal samples that are being used. That's almost Mad Lib-esque. Except where Madlib tends to pull his kind of uh, oddball tendencies from like blaxploitation films and things like that, oftentimes. Quelle seems to get it a lot from comedy. So there's a lot of comedic elements in the production itself a lot of times. And I was interested to see if he'd bring that oddball, obscure, different left field kind of production to Homeboy... That would hopefully elevate the catchiness of the music, the memorability of Homeboy's music. And what we got was not that. And definitely at first, I was genuinely disappointed. Like I was really looking forward to this album because it just seemed like exactly what Homeboy Sandman needed. He just needed strong production, consistent production, but also coming from an artist like Quelle, that has developed such a strong knack uh, for keeping his music left field, but also making them very catchy, making them be jam-packed with personality and replay value that you always just want to come back to them to uncover little nuances uh, in the music. But what we got here was Homeboy almost getting even more inaccessible when it comes to his rapping. And then the songwriting was very meditative. It's very one note. It's very even keel. It's incredibly introspective. And the beats, the beats are definitely not normal kind of traditional boom bap beats or something like that. But they are much more restrained And less all over the place uh, than what Quelle usually produces. So, off the first couple listens, production definitely disappointed me. Along with the marriage it had with Homeboy that I found made these songs not really stand out all that much. But simultaneously, my disappointment in the production and the songwriting was definitely balanced out by the remarkable introspection and moving honesty that Homeboy put forward throughout this entire album and it's perfectly encapsulated by the title, which is Don't Feed the Monster. That title speaks to a disease that Homeboy Sandman has been living with his entire life and what he references very often throughout this project either indirectly or directly and that's psoriasis and psoriasis the long and short of it is a skin disease that makes your cells multiply very fast and causes these red bumpy patches on your elbows your scalp and other places on your body and although there's no true understood reason for why people develop this disorder one thing that is clear that out of the main causes that uh, lead to kind of inflammations and outbreaks of the psoriasis showing on someone's skin is emotional stress. And that's really key to understanding the connection and the overall higher meaning, I guess you could say, to how these various emotional traumas and anxious experiences that he's had throughout his life how they contribute to this disease and how it leads to the title, which is Don't Feed the Monster, which you could basically interpret as this album being a collection of traumatic and anxiety-ridden experiences that Homeboy has gone through and how he's been able to overcome this so that he doesn't feed the monster that is psoriasis. But I think at a higher, more general level, it's not just about psoriasis, it's just generally speaking applicable to just not wanting to giving into negative self-talk and negative thinking and depression which i think is very relatable to all of us this information really makes all of these experiences he displays it makes it make sense as to why he's bringing it up how they all connect it really adds a strong amount of cohesion and thematic consistency to all of the different experiences that he he puts forward throughout this album, because this album is incredibly introspective, and it starts off right from the get-go with the track Trauma, where, man, Homeboy is talking about incredibly personal traumatic experiences that he went through as a child, uh, stemming from child abuse, and him having a very unhealthy relationship with women and sexuality as it seemed like an older neighbor uh, of his would basically, at the age of maybe under 10 years old, was having very inappropriate encounters with him, probably kissing, and he mentions that at least he didn't go down on this guy. Uh, But just incredibly messed up kind of things that were happening to him and then his dad's uh girlfriend at the time would allow homeboy as a child to hump her leg and she would just let it happen and maybe even encourage it at the very least he was enabling it it was so it was so striking just how deep he went right off the bat that it put me off. I had to replay the song twice to really be like, damn, did he really say that? Did he really just say that? He even mentions the thing about his uh, dad's girlfriend was the first time he's ever told him we'll be on this song. So that just shows how open and honest he's getting. And the way he outlines all of these traumatic experiences is absolutely brilliant, and it just gave me goosebumps. And it sets the stage for what will be a very deeply personal album and the selling point for this album no question about it is not only just how introspective and at times very emotionally potent the subject matter is but it's the eloquent lyricism and way homeboy messages all of these themes that he manages to message on topics such as stress various traumas he's going through or gone through while being incredibly descriptive in how he makes his points. He expertly lets the listener into his psyche with great precision, walking you through his thought processes and how he interprets his emotions with incredible insight. Tracks like Stress, where he talks about all the ways he's kind of dealt with stress, the impacts it has on him and the impact it has on Society as a whole he really paints such an insightful and smart picture on how stress can wreak havoc on one's life and he does it in a way again that has a lot of clever wordplay that has an interesting flow but the methodical nature of his rapping mixed in with the production and the songwriting that's also very methodical and not incredibly varied. And so as I mentioned, it threw me off at first. Uh, But as I kept listening, the methodical nature really lended itself for the listener to really easily follow along with the stories that Homeboy is painting and the thought processes and logic that he's putting forward. So I was able to easily absorb the sobering insights of a song like Stress, as well as a track Alone Again, where he's basically recounting what looks to be a separation uh, between himself and his wife. And he goes into remarkable detail of just all of the little different aspects of this breakup and how it's impacting him from the obvious thing that you'd expect if someone breaks breaks up with the woman they used to love, worried, as he put it, that he'll ever meet a cutie that would love him for more than just the diamonds that he gives them. Worried that he'll ever have a shoulder to cry on. Whether he'll ever have someone to go to the movies with. And what sets this song apart, and really this whole album apart, uh, in terms of how he expresses all of these emotions that many of us can relate to, it's the fact that it's so bare. There's absolutely no flowery poetry, metaphors, similes... Wrapped around all of these experiences that he recounts, these feelings that he is going through to put a barrier between himself and the listener. These experiences and these emotions that he's expressing on this album hit so differently because unlike other and most music that expresses these topics, there's no interpretation required. There's no distraction that can make you not focus on exactly what he's telling you. There's no running away from the topics that he's talking about where you're forced to confront them as a listener. He's not telling you a narrative, a symbolic narrative that you can maybe focus on the actual meaning of it or you can just focus on the beautiful poetic imagery or metaphors that he's putting forward. On this album, you have to confront it. You have to be looking at it directly in the eyes because Homeboy's not making anything unclear. This clarity is what sets this album apart and what really makes this album incredibly moving and incredibly introspective in a way that I've not really experienced in recent times with an album. And an example of this perfectly is Don't Look Down. This has one of the most energetic beats, uh, by the way, which makes it a track that really stands out due to the energy. A lot of momentum, love the beat. And Homeboy's basically talking about how he is trying to, or how he deals with fear, and how he tries to overcome it. And this exemplifies exactly what I just talked about, about how bare and straightforward the lyricism is, that it almost catches you off guard. So it was literally up until yesterday that I actually realized what he was saying in this song. The track is called Don't Look Down. And he's talking about how he's been able to overcome his fears. And the first verse talks about how he would go up up on roofs and go right to the ledge as a way to almost test himself and remind himself that the stakes are high. uh, At any moment, you can die. Uh, basically kind of a way to kind of develop a comfort dealing with fear as you are literally almost inches away from falling to your death. The next couple verses talk about different instances in which his he's been able to overcome his fear, whether it be with his psoriasis uh, disease, that he was a little concerned and scared or embarrassed to Go to the beach because other people may notice and may make fun of him, but he overcame that fear. Went and it and it turned out fantastic. Same with how this applies to how he makes music. And that first verse, I only finally clicked that this is a literal thing he did. This wasn't. I assumed it was a metaphor. I assumed he meant I metaphorically walk over to the edge of a roof and I look and I whatever. I overcome my fears. I'm I'm embodying the the ideas that life is short and that I need to live it, I'm going to overcome my fear, etc. He actually did this as a child, and it only clicked as I was really, really listening closely to realize that this man actually did this as a real practice as he grew up. And I find that incredible. It, it makes me connect with the artist so much more as he is incredibly honest and the ways in which he's dealt with his stress, his fear, his anxieties in such drastic ways. It's on one hand makes me really feel for him, makes me really develop a, like a care for him. That, that sounds really difficult to deal with. But at the same time, it also is incredibly inspiring to see that this man had to do that to develop this strength to overcome the fears in his life and look where he is now creating an incredible album with a great producer in Quelle Chris seeming like at 40 years he's at the height of his musical career in my opinion at least and it's just really great to see so now going back to the production after a couple listens I really started to get used to the fact that okay Quelle isn't going to be delivering beats that are very in line with what he would do in his normal work it wasn't as zany it was very dark it was very consistent in tone but what i did find pretty impressive as it kept going on as i kept listening was that man they fit so well with what homeboy was doing and it started to accentuate a lot of the intricacies in these beats and then i started to realize that man no these beats are actually pretty damn good Around the middle part is where I was at the beginning starting to get pretty thrown off. It gets to tracks like Monument, which is a a pretty loud beat that is pretty groggy. And for most of the, the production, it's not very fast in tempo. It's quite slow, and at times very slow and downtrodden. And then it goes into a track, Biters, which I still think is kind of unnecessary on this album. It's just a song about people biting styles and hip-hop, it just sounds kind of out of place, not as nearly emotionally potent as the rest of the album is. But outside of that low point, the production does an incredible job of accentuating Homeboy's mind state and makes you hang on every single little word of his. The track Walk By Faith is an incredible standout, and he talks about how he's used his faith to or his hope the idea of hope to to get by and the beat is downright hypnotic with beautifully colorful sampling and percussion and it sounds like a hypnotic mantra that he's saying i walk by faith in times when i can't see i believe in god god believes in me that kind of flow that kind of way of rapping throughout the whole song not just the hook would never work without a beat like that so i thought Quelle did overall an incredible job of of creating beats that fit this very unique style of homeboys. And finally, it was really well paced and sequenced as it relates to the track listing. Songs that I previously mentioned, like "Alone Again," that's towards the end of the track listing, where he speaks about and ends the song by saying like he's really not happy where he is in life. But then right at the end of the album. The last two tracks, Gestation and Straight, show that he is emerging from the shadows of his psyche, or he, the real homeboy, the strong homeboy, is going to make it out through the darkness, and then it ends with Straight, which is kind of just like a very, like, the most happy song on the album, and it's showing that he's going to get by, he's going to make it through, he's going to be straight, and it's a really nice, uplifting way to end the album and shows that from the first track trauma which brings him brings you right smack dab in his childhood pretty much right to the present time where he's supposedly in a better place it it makes a lot of sense and it makes the album really reward multiple front to back listens so overall although the songwriting was certainly a bit of a letdown because again i I, although it, it grew on me i was hoping quelle would inspire Homeboy to stretch himself to make more catchy songs. It's a good and bad thing because I think he actually doubled down on his like his traditional style, and for this kind of subject matter, it definitely worked. And as it relates to the production, again, it grew on me a ton. I overall really like how cohesive and appropriate is in tone and then as it relates to homeboy's performance man he delivers a singularly unique album that makes up for some of the lackluster songwriting at times and just brings supreme honesty supreme openness and interesting insight into homeboy as a person uh, how to make it through struggles how to make it through mental health issues that is actually quite uplifting and relatable and has some genuinely incredible moments and poignant sobering insights on society and as him as a person. This is a one of a kind experience that I highly recommend for listeners who really want to put something on that makes them think and is willing to be patient to let this have the time to soak in to your mind and ears. So I give this a strong 8.3 on 10. It's just another great 2020 rap album. It seems like every album I review on this show is either good to great. I promise you I'm not being easy on these albums. I'm I'm giving you my honest opinion, and it's just been so many good albums coming out in 2020. So now I'm going to transition to this Black Thought album, Streams of Thought Volume 3, Cain and Abel. This is the third volume of these Streams of Thought projects that Black Thought has per- put out ever since 2018, I believe. The first project was not very long. It was about 17, 18 minutes, produced mainly by Ninth Wonder, uh, a really dope uh, boom-bap producer. I didn't particularly love that project. As many of you know, Black Thought is a member and the lead vocalist for The Roots jazz rap group, legendary Roots crew. I love them. I'm a huge fan of their work. Black Thought's an incredible lyricist. And what makes The Roots special and has always made them special is their brand of socially conscious lyricism, incredible rapping ability from Black Thought and former bandmate Malik B. And then incredible live instrumentation in the beats, and what Streams of Thought Volume One was missing was that live instrumentation. I didn't think Ninth Wonders' beats were exceptional, and I just was just left missing uh, the live instrumentation, and would rather put on a Roots album. Then Streams of Thought Volume Two came out, and I was definitely much more impressed with that one. It was fully produced by Salam Remy, and this producer created a very nice live instrumentation kind of soundscape not exactly like the roots it was definitely more dark and had his own touch to the beats and I thought it worked much better I thought Black Thought was in a zone lyrically and delivered a lot of nice topical tracks it was not a very long album about 23 minutes I thought it was quite good definitely good maybe even great but this Black Thought Streams of Thought Volume 3 project was supposed to be the grand statement, the debut studio album for Black Thought as a solo artist. And it starts super strong, super strong. After the initial kind of intro track that sets the stage for this being kind of like a politically conscious album, he has the track State Prisoner, where he touches on a lot of kind of socio-political topics with. Incredible flows, incredible lyricism. And I love the way he ends this song with this line that in conclusion, I want to clear the confusion, any rumors that the artist you're currently hearing is human. The way he says it, the way it flows into the next line. There's so much confidence in what he's rhyming, but you absolutely believe it because this guy is just slaying this track. Then it transitions to the track... Good Morning that features Pusha T and Killer Mike of Run the Jewels and good lord Swiss Bees Bees laces this beat with a lot of like bombastic drumming and sampling and Black Dog kills it but I actually think he had the most the least sorry interesting verse on this song Pusha T just waxes coke rap poetic as he always does Love his verse and then Killer Mike finishes off the track and I think he probably had the strongest verse because his was the most kind of consistent with the subject matter of this album too touching on a lot of really interesting uh, political topics here and the command he has on the mic fit perfectly and this album started, started amazingly. The next couple tracks were good, but not really at the same level. Still very consistent, started to incorporate some more live instrumentation. I was like, okay, cool. This album's starting to vary too. I like it. But then when it hit the first of three tracks with Portugal, the man who's a feature vocalist on this album, this album really started to fall off. The lyricism for the most part for the rest of this way on this album is still good. But by no means is at the lyrical heights that it was at the beginning of this project. And man, the hooks, especially delivered by Portugal, the man, and the beats just fall completely flat on some of these tracks. Nature of the Beast is not a good song at all. It is a pretty wretched hook. And when Black Thought is singing too, this isn't him at his best either when it comes to comparing it to some of his earlier singing work on tracks like How I Got Over uh, from 2010 where it's super soulful, super just easy on the ears, sounds amazing. This didn't work at all. And the songs just come off very sugary, and I don't like... The way it complements Black Thought's style. I don't think Black Thought does really well when he's trying to be overly suave or overly poppy in his style. I just don't think it comes off that well. I feel like this album was missing that steady musical hand of Questlove and his other fellow Roots bandmates. I think this album simply isn't as good as Volume 2 of the Streams of Thought series. Which I thought was richer musically, with lyricism that was even sharper in focus. And and this is a shame because this was supposed to be the grand full album statement from Black Thought, but I just don't think it lives up to its potential. The subject matter was certainly a strong point, as I liked the way he discussed political themes. I love the way he incorporated it with some battle rap braggadocious rhymes like on thought versus everybody which was definitely a great track towards the back half of this album Uh, but overall i was left pretty disappointed with this project and for that reason i give this album a 6.7 out of 10 the standouts are very high which bring this album up more than you may expect in terms of my rating but overall it just really doesn't have the replay value that I was hoping for out of a Black Thought project. And so now I'm going to finish this episode off by talking about the new Open Mic Eagle project, Anime, Trauma, and Divorce. So just off that title alone, it's very loaded. And this album was very anticipated for Open Mic Eagle fans. Open Mike Eagle is a underground legend at this point a stalwart in that artsy alternative rap uh lane that artists like bus driver and milo formerly known as milo now rap ferreira have really flourished in and open mike e is one of the pioneers that really made a name for himself as of the early 2010s and i've loved or liked all of his projects that i've heard from him particularly dark comedy from 2014 that really kicked off his career got him like really got him a lot of acclaim it really branded him as a artist that is very zany introspective can be very comedic And display a lot of dark humor that's quite unique in this genre. And be very personal about it all too. And I loved that project. And I really, really loved the next couple projects that he delivered. Hella Personal Film Festival that had production from Paul White. Who, if you don't know, produced the majority or all of Atrocity Exhibition. By Danny Brown. So you know this guy's a really great producer. That had a very interesting production. and Open Mike Eagle was delivering a lot of really interesting narratives and song concepts that I think came across beautifully. And then I think his best project was his last full-length studio album, Brick Body Kids Still Daydream, which was an album that touched on a lot of topics surrounding gentrification and poverty. And he delivered all of this with probably his best rapping performances. I think his best bag of beats that he rapped over too. And I loved this project. It's one of the best albums that came out of uh, the 2017 year. So going into this project, I was very excited. Unfortunately for Mike, he has recently gone through a lot of bad experiences particularly as it relates to his marriage, which finished with a divorce. And he's also had a, like very important life events to happen during this last couple year time as well with uh, his son that's growing up, a recent divorce during this time frame as well, uh, and also the fact that his label, that he used to be a part of Hellfire Club that featured other artists that I already mentioned, and uh, formerly known as Milo at the time and bus driver Hellfire Club that broke up which caused Open Mike Eagle to start his own label and so that's a lot of stuff to happen to someone in a couple years and this album was billed as being a very cathartic personal experience so all of those things that I just described that this album was billed as are Open Mike Eagle's strong suits this is what his style of rap was made for. So I had very high expectations. And I would say that this album captures very well his current mind state that I assume he's in, which is of confusion, existential angst, and overall a very sober and down mind state. But what I think this album is lacking and which kind of leaves me not wanting or desiring to go back to this album as much, is that I don't really get a real conclusion or a really concrete message that clearly captures what all of these recent experiences have made him learn, made him think about, made him feel. And that isn't necessarily something that needs to happen or needs to be communicated when you are talking about these topics on a project. This approach of, you know, kind of just outlining a a bunch of experiences that have happened to you and putting them all together on an album and then letting the listener kind of pull out the themes, the, the, the symbolism, the reasoning for why someone's talking about what they're talking about definitely can work. And it reminds me a lot... Of the genre of folk music, I'm thinking of artists like Phil Elvram in the microphones, who just delivered an incredible album that released a couple months ago called the microphones in 2020, where he where he uses this style very significantly, where most of the album is just a collection of random stories, well, though are not they're not random, that's the whole point, but they're seemingly random stories that he sings and puts them all together on this 40-minute project that end up adding up to more than the sum of its parts. It captures a feeling that is still clear enough that it makes you come away with something. I'm also thinking of about artists like Sun Kill Moon, who often just especially on a couple particular projects that have came out recently in the last three, four, five years of his career, where the lyrics are jam-packed with narratives of meeting some random dude on tour and then all of the thoughts that came away from that encounter and how it made you feel. And then the whole album is basically a lot of that stuff. And you put it together and it's something really insightful. It's something really powerful and eloquent. This lyrical approach worked because these emotions and these insights that these experiences invoked were visceral and, and made clear or were powerful enough and save for a couple moments on anime, trauma and divorce, this album doesn't really make it clear what it's trying to say it's just saying things songs like Everything Ends Last Year are the exception to this rule and outline exactly what this kind of lyrical approach can do at its best where he's talking about mainly the demise of that hellfire club label and how people who were real close friends to him. They weren't just colleagues, business partners, they were real friends and just the, the impact it had on their relationship as their, their label fell through arguing about money, things that he never really want to, and no one really wants to be really worried about or concerned with when you're with your loved ones, with your friends. And the way he not only explains these topics, but the way he writes it from a songwriting perspective and the way he delivers it vocally, it really hits home. He ends all the verses being like, it's October and I'm tired. And he says it like he's literally tired. And it it just comes through very powerful. You feel the exhaustion, the emotional exhaustion that this man is going through. And that's where this kind of approach really hits home. The majority of this album is filled with specific experiences or very specific thoughts, but failed to really connect with me in terms like what is the real message or point to what you're telling like there are some in a vacuum good songs and good moments on this album like the funny black mirror uh, ruin my marriage track which is a really funny concept of literally watching a black mirror episode which is supposedly a real experience this isn't just like some fake thing Mike and his wife really did watch a Black Mirror episode that did start a fight and, in his words, ruined his marriage. And that sounds really funny and is really entertaining, but if that song isn't surrounded by, uh, by songs that are more clear about why did he get into this divorce, like what happened, what was the fallout because of, Like, you know, I know he's depressed. I know he's confused. But what else and in what ways specifically? Instead of getting a concrete point of view as to why his divorce happened, I just get a little bits and pieces that are too scant and muddled to make me get an idea of what actually happened and what Mike truly feels right now. To add on to that, musically, this album... Definitely leaves a lot to be desired as well. This album definitely has some nice instrumentals, like on Bakurati. I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce that, but that featured Kari Fo That's kind of like this hip house kind of beat that I think comes across beautifully. I think the album really, and the song, sorry, really does well, really fits in surprisingly with Mike's style and especially with Kari fo's guest verse. So that was interesting, definitely a change of pace from what I'd expect. But the rest of the production really is quite quiet, not all that engaging. And that makes sense with this kind of style of music and of subject matter that Open Mike Eagle is going for. But again, because the lyricism and the messages aren't very clear and don't really give me much of a visceral or clear understanding of what Mike is going through. I just come away from this album wanting more, wanting to understand more, and wanting to hear more musically. Overall, you know, obviously it's okay if Mike doesn't know what any of this means, what any of these experiences mean for his life going forward. That is incredibly fair. This isn't a criticism of Mike not processing his emotions mature enough. This isn't a a thing about his character at all. It's just a criticism about what I would prefer and what I think would work best as an album. And I just think this album would have worked a lot better maybe if he took some more time to really process what he's feeling so that he could come through with a message that was a little more clear and concrete that i could really as a listener latch on to because at the end of the day this album is kind of hard for me to connect with which really sucks to say because i really do like open mike eagle as a person he seems like a great guy and i really really feel for him for what he's going through but yeah, I just don't get a lot from this album. It's, it's hard to really go back to as there's not a lot of replay value. So to conclude, my rating on this album is a 6.6 on 10. Arguably one of the most disappointing projects I've listened to all year, which sucks to say, but I will definitely be looking out for what Mike is doing next for sure. And, you know, I, I wish him the best. I hope he is able to come to an understanding uh, as it relates to what all of these experiences mean for him as a person. So that concludes episode 18 of QLC TV. Thank you everybody for listening. I really appreciate the support. I love doing this and I can't wait to continue doing more of these episodes of QLC TV moving forward. If you want to follow me, support the podcast. Please subscribe on all the podcast channels that you use, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Roview, so that's R-O-H-V-I-E-W, and shoot me a comment, send me a DM, and feel free to suggest whatever topic you think I should cover, whether it be some political discussion, music, etc. Or if you just wanted to, Send me some feedback about something that you think I should improve on or consider changing as it relates to the show. I'm definitely all ears. I wanted to start this podcast to to help myself grow, help myself uh, express myself more efficiently, more concisely, more effectively. So I'm always open to anything that I should improve on, whether it be about how I deliver the show or just to criticize some horrible take that I had. I'm all ears. And I'd also like to extend an open invitation to any artist that makes music. If you want, please DM me, hit me up on Instagram, send me your music. I'd love to give you free feedback and thoughts on my opinions of your work and any other things you could maybe change to make it even better. If you're listening to this show, you know how passionate I am about music, how much I love analyzing music and how passionate I am, I would love to be a part of your creative process to further improve your craft. And also I'd like to extend an invitation for anybody who wants to join me for a discussion on something they want to debate, whether it be a political opinion or a musical opinion. I would love to, you know, have you on the show and have an open discussion with you. I think that would be a lot of fun because, you know, I I really want to connect with you guys and really foster community here at QLC TV. So thank you once again for listening. Peace.